Hello, this is Andy Brewer with the Northwest AHEC Healthcare Insights Podcast. Today I have with me my guest, Julie Lanford. She is on the community outreach team at Cancer Services. She is the wellness director, so she is involved with wellness groups, survivor programs, and education programs regarding cancer and preventing cancer and healing from cancer and recovery and all that stuff. So um, one of the themes on this podcast that for, for anybody who's listened before will we'll know that it's nutrition's a big part of it, um, but also ultimate Frisbee. So I'm going to start there. <laughs> oh, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> so Julie and I are both both played ultimate Frisbee at NC State. Of course, I played a lot longer ago before mm-hmm. it was actually on the map and and she played for a very competitive women's team so oh, no i was before the very oh competitive you were women's well <laughs> <laughs> we were um we had a lot of fun and we tried really hard yeah well and, that's that's us too and and i was gone and then the rest of the people who were on the team then became the very competitive women's team. <laughs> that's that's kind of my story as well. Um, so yeah, that you know, you, a lot of people I know, that longtime friends, came out of that world of ultimate. And it just seems like that's a hotbed of people who are interested in wellness, um, people who are very uh, self actualized. Um, so it, it's good to see what all the, all the things that people that I I've known since my you know early 20s what what they've contributed to the world yeah. so that that's been nice and and now here you are um sitting across from me you have your own podcast the cancer dietitian podcast and you just shared with me that you were doing a colon cancer series and all that so why don't we just jump in and and tell me first of all about cancer services and then your role and how that's evolved and, and where you are now. And then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go from there and get okay. into some of the particulars. Well, that could take the whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I actually, you know, I started working as an oncology dietitian. Um, I worked for both medical centers mm-hmm. here in Winston-Salem. Um, but after a couple of years came on to work for cancer services. So we're a nonprofit agency and this is our actually our 65th year here in Winston-Salem. So we, yep, we're founded in 1955. And basically what we do is offer some of those wraparound services that you don't get at your medical facility. So our office has wigs, we've got hats, we've got advocates that help people pay for their medications. We have um, a whole basement full of medical equipment like potty chairs and um, hospital beds and things like that. But then my piece of what we do is to coordinate all of our wellness Um, cancer risk reduction and healthy survivorship programs. So I use my skills as an oncology dietitian to um, share information about nutrition, but then I'm also doing um, coordinating our outreach team. And then we have um, like healing hands services. So Reiki, healing touch and massage. They're all volunteers that offer services for our clients so they can get that at no charge. Um, So it, it makes sure that I do not get bored. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that a lot. We're a um, 15 person agency and uh, it's just really great. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good team to work with and basically can respond pretty quickly to whatever community needs come up. And both Novant and Baptist are very good partners of ours. They actually contract us to have an advocate on site in their cancer centers so that their patients can get access to what they need as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That's I've been at Cancer Services now for 12 years next month, which seems like a very long time, yeah. but also a very short time. <laughs> flies by, flies by. Now, how, how did you get, have you always been interested in nutrition and wellness? And uh, Nutrition has always been on my radar, even like as a high schooler, I will say I was a little misguided, you know, as many people are when you don't really know what you're looking at you can't tell what's true and what's not true so as a child of the 90s <laughs> mm-hmm. i had all these different you know fads i followed um, but yeah yeah no fat <laughs> my mom had I to sugar. buy like everything that was fat free for me and then regular versions which you know i later learned hey turns mm. out first of all that doesn't taste good and your food should taste good to you and mm. second of all it's not necessary um but anyway i so i went to college at nc state they don't actually have human nutrition as a major um and so about my senior year i figured out oh the legitimate way to give nutrition advice is to become a dietitian mm-hmm. which i didn't know existed um but and so i went on to unc for their masters in public health and 
dietitian training. Um, and then I moved into oncology about the time that there we created and certified oncology or board certified specialists in oncology nutrition mm-hmm. um, certification. And so within a couple of years, I, I took that exam and I just keep that up. So oncology has been my specialty almost since the beginning. Um, I did some with diabetes and cholesterol and overall, you know, health, um, which was interesting, but I, I find a lot of fulfillment working in the field of oncology. Um, it's just kind of a very warm and loving environment. Mm-hmm. Even ever, almost all health practitioners, I feel like who work in oncology just have this, they just have a sense of really caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of wraparound services and people work well together. Um, and the patients, uh, I learn a lot from them. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I want to come good. back to that later about that environment, but I want to go stick with nutrition for a while here. Um, you know, I've said on this podcast too, I have these major themes and I repeat myself often, but <laughs> one of them is, you know, the, the old saying, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. So having said that, if we only ate what was pure and natural and whole and good for us, um, and avoided all environmental toxins and stress or, ex- you know, excessive stress and, and all the things that we know, uh, do have an effect on our health and perhaps do have a direct correlation to cancer causing. Um, let's just say we were, uh, we, well, we know we're not able to minimize all those things or right. eliminate them. Yeah. It's just, There's only so many things under our control. <laughs> right. So we're out in the world. Um, we're exposed to things that a lot of times we don't even know, um, or we're exposed to things that at one time we're told safe and then another time is not. And that's been the case with nutrition. I mean, it's certainly the messages have, have been evolving and, and what was bad today is good tomorrow and so forth. Um, so I, I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit because I'm, I'm, I'm really in the dark about like, where is this current state of cancer as related to, um, you know, how much of it is, related to our diets. And then on the other side of that, how important it is to, once you are diagnosed and go under treatment, how important is nutrition during that process and after in remission period and and trying to prevent it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to get at that because cancer, we don't actually know what causes any one person's cancer, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I always say we know people who've done everything right and they still face a cancer diagnosis. I know lots of people like that. And we know people who've done everything wrong and they don't. (laughs) And so, um, but if we look at just the numbers, it's estimated that 30 to 40% of cancers could be prevented if people ate healthy and were physically active. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's not a hundred percent. Would you say 30? 30 to 40%. Wow. It's still a big, it is. It's a big number. And, and that's, I think uh, for America, and that's just, you know, yeah. if you look at the whole population, if we could get everyone to generally eat healthy and be physically active, mm-hmm. then we could reduce cancer diagnoses mm-hmm. by 30 to 40 percent. It's not 100 percent. So but I say we want to do whatever we can to put the odds in our favor. And then the other piece I'll say is that it is actually not that complicated to meet these recommendations. And sometimes I think people I think people think think it's a lot more complicated than it is. But what we're looking at is if we could simply get people to eat more fruits and vegetables, eat whole grains, eat beans, nuts, and seeds like regularly, even if they're a meat eater, we still want them to get plant proteins, drink mostly water, unsweetened tea, unsweetened coffee. Like, I mean, those are the building blocks. That's mm-hmm. essentially it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't even care if your fruits and vegetables are frozen, canned, fresh, like mix it up. What's important is that people actually, you know, put them in their mouth and chew them up and swallow. I find that most of my patients who are who come to me interested in nutrition do pretty well with their um, fruit and vegetable intake. I think that the population of people who are not doing so well are generally the people who are not coming to me asking for advice, you know, so sometimes I actually with my clients, I have to reassure them that they are doing a pretty good job. 
Yeah. Well, it's almost like in marketing. I mean, the first sta- stage is awareness. Yep. And interest. You know, those, those are the, 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 first part of the continuum so if you're not interested um at some point your lifestyle choices are going to catch up and i think that's the hard reality that people face when they get a diagnosis perhaps is say well uh and, and may and some people might say, well, it's just a matter of time because yes. I'm aware of how bad my choices are. Yeah. Or other people might be blindsided and go, well, I didn't know this stuff was bad. And, and you know, I just I don't know. And, and I'm you know certainly, uh, I guess, I don't know. A blind spot is a good way to say it. I mean, I live in a silo of of knowledge and, mm-hmm. and awareness mm-hmm. and people all around me who are successful and who pay mm-hmm. attention to these things and are healthy. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, I find it hard in 21st century that we're still having trouble feeding our population yeah. and feeding them healthily. And, and I'm also a libertarian, so I'm saying free market rules and if people want salt and sugar and fat yes then they're gonna get it that is the i think that is really interesting because we talk a lot about food deserts and people who have access to food but then when you actually ask people what they want Mm -hmm. a lot of people are not worried about their access to fresh fruits and vegetables because that's not what they would choose you know so and even i would say even very well educated people who are busy who don't have time mm-hmm. or not interested in preparing food. Like it's, it's just easier, mm-hmm. especially if you have the money to afford it. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to get food out mm-hmm. where somebody else makes it for you and you don't have to clean up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it typically does not involve lots of fruits and vegetables, or if they are fruits and vegetables, they're small portions or, you know, prepared in a way where there's a lot of Highly extra stuff that you yeah. just don't need more of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think part of that is this, it's like, yeah, you want it to be a personal choice. And, but getting people to change their behaviors is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even my own self or like, I always use this example. I had a, a nutrition intern and we did a, um, a post on my website and we were talking about how to appropriately clean fruits and vegetables because people always have questions like should i buy that fancy spray or should Mm -hmm. i do this or that and like we did all this background research and we're like okay you just need to wash them Mm -hmm. and scrub them you don't need to use anything fancy you don't need to do sprays you and and they were like don't wash with soap okay don't wash your fruits and vegetables with soap because the soap can get stuck in the food and then you eat it and it's not gonna harm you but it just doesn't settle well on a stomach right and she used to always wash her apples with soap and she's writing this and reading it and learning that it is not necessary, but for her to actually change, like to stop washing her apple with soap and just eat it after rinsing it was very, <laughs> you know, it's difficult. So if you think about people who just, we just have patterns and ways we do things and we get up in the morning and we eat whatever we eat for breakfast and maybe they don't eat fruit. Yeah. And I'm always like, okay, well, we need to add a fruit in. It's hard. Even simple things like that are hard. So to think that, um, you know, how to change an entire population's habits, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think there's a lot there. I, I always comes back to me. Uh, I forgot who said it. I, in one of our grand rounds said, you know, nutrition does not come through a drive through window. <laughs> and so that was, you know, these edicts that are simple that you can use as a heuristic to avoid things. But, yeah, I mean, change – Lifestyle modification is the hardest thing. In fact, we mm-hmm. just changed our discipline that used to be called mental health to behavioral health uh-huh. because you know a lot of a lot of health issues are from behaviors that not aren't necessarily tied to any particular mental disorder. Right. And and the the term mental it, it just is is kind of has a pejorative, yeah. you know, it has a negative connotation. So we, we immediately put on blinders. Oh, this person has a problem. Yes. Instead of, uh, you know, looking at behaviorally. So, you know, now you can apply all this behavior strategies that we see in health coaching and life mm-hmm. coaching and, and mental health can- or behavioral health counseling yes. to try to address those things. But you're right. It's so hard, even when you know the information, like, you know, that that large fries 
is probably not the best choice, but by God, you really want those large fries <laughs> right now. I mean, okay, so you can go to a drive-thru and get a salad. I yeah. will say that. So yeah. I always tell people, it doesn't matter where you are, there's always a best choice. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not be what you would make for yourself or what you might choose as ideal, but like you can pretty much always find a good choice no matter what restaurant you're at or at least there's a best choice of what the menu is Mm -hmm. um and so i'm like if i go to chick-fil-a i want waffle fries like but i don't really care for a chick-fil-a sandwich that's not my thing so i'll get the salad and the waffle fries and to me it's like what's the big deal yeah Yeah. and so i think also helping people realize they don't have to have a perfect diet Mm -hmm. like it's really not necessary to have a 100% perfect diet in order to achieve good health. Right. I think that you can have, I use like an 80-20 type of rule where 80% of the time you're choosing your foods for how it nourishes your body and 20% of the time you're choosing the foods because it nourishes your soul. Mm -hmm. You're at a picnic, you're going to your, you know, kids potluck at school or whatever it Mm. is, or it's a birthday, like people should feel enjoyment out of eating Mm -hmm. delicious foods that doesn't matter what the nutrition content is some of the time. Um, So having the right balance, I don't like the clean eating fad because it infers that there's dirty food Mm -hmm. and there's not really dirty food. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think people should really give themselves a lot of freedom to find whichever nutrition, um, you know, to nourish themselves in ways that fit with their culture, with their personal preferences and with their health goals, yeah. um, rather than feeling like they have to measure up to some perfect eating plan that somebody else invented. Yeah, exactly. Um, I heard someone say, again, I need to source my things better, but it was, just, I heard this last week, I think, and, and someone said, you know, one easy way to challenge yourself when it comes to making those decisions is ask yourself, is it good for me? Now, that can be translated, as we know, a lot of different ways. And, and as my uh, friend Tom Reed, who was on here, also an Ultimate Frisbee player, um, uh, he does this communication uh, strategy called TASK. And, and one of the things is, is separating the behavior from the intent. So I apply that into that, what's good for me? Well, if you're at a reunion and you're celebrating and there's pie or cake or ice cream or whatever. Well, it's good for you to celebrate. Yes. You know, so let's, the intent is still good. It's good for me. I mean, the, the substance, the matter may not be the best, but it's good for you. So I I like that strategy is like, you know, you you don't want to get in the mindset of beating yourself up whenever you eat a bag of pretzels, let's say, or something and go, Oh my God, I got to, you know, that that's going to be bad. So, you know, if, if you start that question out, is it good? for me probably 80 percent of the time you're gonna say well probably the waffle fries aren't but that kale (laughs) salad is yes you know so i have the choice right now i'm really hungry um, but what do i want out of this meal what do i have in you know coming up later today that i need fuel for yes you know um if i'm going to be sedentary uh, you know, probably don't want the heavy food. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so that's the question I think is can just can simplify things. And I know you're probably bristling because you hear these, you probably hear sayings and phrases and, 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 and fads all the time. You just like, ah, oh. I know. You know now I, I have I to reeducate people. Sometimes again. I think people get more bad information. They get more bad nutrition information than they ever get the mm-hmm. real legit stuff, yeah. which is, Honestly, like most of what I do is have to like re-educate what somebody learned that was wrong Mm -hmm. before I can even move into helping them figure out how to nourish themselves because they've been so misdirected. Mm -hmm. Um, And even just thinking about what are people's goals, sometimes I think people miss the point. They're so focused on good health. I'm like, good health in itself is not the end. Like the point of having good health is so you can live, live a better. great life. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, if, if somebody's ruining their quality of life in their approach to achieving good health, that's not worth it, you right. know? So that's the hard piece. But working in oncology, a lot of people facing cancer get it because they're like, all of a sudden their mortality is right in front of them. Yeah. And they start seeing what's really important differently. And so that in itself, I can, and sometimes people, they do come in and they're in crisis because they've read everything on the internet about what 
foods they should or shouldn't eat, which usually is completely off. And so they are following a super strict diet. Mm -hmm. So they've read a lot of information online that I would say is not evidence-based and they're avoiding sugar 100% and they're avoiding, they're eating, trying to eat all organic and they are, you know, doing some kind of alkaline, like they read (laughs) these things. Those are the top, I would say, like top three myths. Organic coffee enemas. What? Yes, enema, all (laughs) kinds of things. And, And especially right at diagnosis before the treatment plan is picked out, they're in this period of time where they want control and that's like the one thing they can control. And so they come to me and by the time they get to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you like, is this the way you want to live your life? You know, they Mm -hmm. have like such strict guides. They can't go out to eat with their friends. They they're making special food, you know, or other Mm -hmm. people can't bring them the foods because they won't eat them. Um, And so we have to sort of reeducate that, you know what? No, sugar feeds cancer is not exactly true. Mm -hmm. Um, Some sugar is okay. And figuring out this balance and reminding them that, like, if they're looking at um, how they want to spend their time each day and what they want out of their day, which is generally they're like, oh, I want to live it up, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, figuring out what's important to them. So for some people, and I say this, like, we're not in, in cancer. We don't suggest eating processed meats. There is a link, although if you look at the data, when it looks comes to processed meats and the percent increase in risk for colon cancer with different amounts of processed meats, it's not like it goes up 100%. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes we forget that like, okay, this is like a small amount that it goes yeah. up. For some people, they love bacon mm-hmm. <clears throat> and bacon brings them joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, and they're like life isn't worth living without bacon so we figure out like okay (laughs) like how do we fit this in but make sure that i think what's even more important is that they're nourishing themselves like give your body the tools it needs and Mm. when it's those extra things then you know they can fit in as long as you're actually eating the things your body needs to function at its best yeah there's so many dynamics involved with this i mean I'm going to get back to what you said about the kind of the wake up call when people get dialed into that and they get hyper aware. But first, you know, back to like the personalized nature of all of our lives. I mean, we are individuals. We live. Each person has their own activities that they pursue them, the amount of cortisol that they produce from stress, whatever their lifestyle is and the different kinds of their body type, their genetics, uh, the foods that they like and, and, and are drawn to and crave and, and all these things. So um, I, I do see a day. I see I'm, I'm an optimist when it comes to the future <laughs> in that one day we might get the tricorder and we'll have all the – you know, metabolites in the urine and the, the, the thing, the markers in the blood that we know how to exact, like print out your menu for the week. You know, right. here's how you're going to recover oh from this, you know. How would you do with that? Well, I don't know. And then we have the <laughs> machine that you push the button and it produces all that. Uh, it spits out my food. <laughs> spits out your food. Right. So, well, you know, okay. well, and, and then that frees up all the time we have from food <laughs> exactly. procurement hey, and preparation. Hey, you're taking people's jobs. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, no, we still think there's a way to go out and enjoy that. That. But, you know, so so when people have these generic or generalized strategies that they read online or the friend told them or they came up on their own, you know, it, it, it uh, you know, I, it, I guess it would make your job a little frustrating because you're like, oh, here we go. I've yeah. got to help this person unlearn or, yes. or convince them that, yeah, there might be some truth in some of that stuff, yes. but it's, you know. How much, you know, okay, back to another thing. So one of the things we do in the Brenner Fit Childhood Obesity programs um, and in the culinary medicine programs that we do at, at AHEC, well, shameless plug, um, <laughs> is to, you know, really emphasize the trade-off between time and cost and nutrition. So, you know, it's hard to have all three of those, uh-huh. something that's super nutritious, that doesn't cost much and doesn't take much time to produce. So it's OK. I, and I like your messages. It's OK to like back off on one of those mm-hmm. to achieve greater parity or greater uh, amounts of the other. So at the end of the day, you still have a 100 percent nutritious meal. Yeah. 
but how you got there may differ from time to time based on your schedule, based on yep. your budget, based on your nutritional needs. Yeah, I did a class. So I do cooking classes for cancer survivors. I did one last week <clears throat> and we did soups. And basically I gave, I t- we showed people the easiest, quickest way to do it. So one soup was like mostly canned. I'm like, can you believe the dietitian here is telling you you can use canned food? (laughs) Um, But it did. It was like if you're sick, like you don't feel well or you're a parent and you have little kids and it's like you just don't have the luxury of time Mm -hmm. or you're somebody who just doesn't like cooking. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to spend your time on something else. It's really it can be really simple. Mm -hmm. Um, I think frozen foods are actually one of the best. I don't think you have to trade too much off with frozen foods because – um, they're generally picked and frozen right away With flash frozen, as opposed yeah. to, yeah. And then they are transported frozen. Mm-hmm. So then they keep their nutrition. Whereas some fresh foods that are picked, you know, really far away and then they and come to too us. Soon, they're not perhaps, so fresh. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so it can save you time and money, but this particular, I found this handout cause we do cooking matters, which is a evidence-based program. It's a partnership with the food bank and it's a cooking program for low income families. And we go out and teach them like at rec centers and I have mm-hmm. educators who do that and their information is really great. Um, and their recipes are really great cause they're like 30 minute, really quick, delicious, And so they had this handout about fruits and vegetables and they compared if you got a bag, I think they had, it was just like a mix of fruits and vegetables. If they were all fresh for like $10, you could get 15 servings of fruits and vegetables. Whereas if you mixed and matched like fresh, frozen and canned for that same $10, you could get 18 servings of fruits and vegetables. So like from a cost standpoint, you know, you can still get those fruits and vegetables and from a convenience standpoint. And so usually what I tell people is if you're going to focus on which fresh foods or fruits and vegetables to get, I would pick ones that are in season. So, you know, they're coming more locally. They're probably more nutritious. And to be honest, things taste a lot better when they're fresh. Like I grew up and the way we pick tomatoes at the grocery store was like the harder, the better mm-hmm. because our knife was dull. And if you had a mushy <laughs> tomatoes, it was like milly and gross. And yeah. I didn't, so I didn't actually know what a real tomato was supposed to taste like. I thought they were supposed to be like apples mm-hmm. until I moved to Winston-Salem and my patients, cause I worked at um, Winston-Salem healthcare at the time. And so they were RJ Reynolds retirees and they would have home gardens, of course. Yeah. And, like it came summertime and all they talked about was tomatoes when they come see me. I'm like, oh, tell me what you eat in a typical day. And they're yeah, like, tomato, like sandwich. tomato sandwich. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> Five a day. And yeah. so they had to tell me about cultural foods mm-hmm. and they would bring me bags of tomatoes. And I'm like, do these people think I'm poor? Like they're bringing <laughs> me food. Like I, it was just this cultural thing that I didn't understand coming from a city. So <clears throat> I had like a tomato that was actually fresh and grown and probably picked that day. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Right. These are amazing. Mm-hmm. And now I love tomato sandwiches, although I put hummus on mine. Yeah. In the summertime. The, um, mayonnaise because I like the hummus. But it is like when you have good fresh food, it Wait, tastes good. Wait, you just good. said hummus on a tomato sandwich? I know. Yes. It's good. <sighs> How dare you? How dare I know. You? I, it's like sacrilegious for <laughs> Southerners. Don't, no, don't mess with it. It's white bread. It's mayonnaise. It's tomatoes, salt and pepper. Sometimes I eat it that way too. It <laughs> has become comfort food for me, mm. but um, it did. I mean, I, I didn't know tomatoes were supposed to be juicy and I didn't know how good the fresh food really could taste when you eat it ripe mm-hmm. and, and ready. And, yeah, and how- I think a lot of people, they don't know because they've never had it. Right, and how how quick and easy is a tomato sandwich? I exactly, mean, it's like so easy. Yes. And, and, and tomatoes, you know, a uh, couple things I want to unpack there. Um, you know, Michael Pollan always says, you know, we you go to the grocery store and you buy. He's the author of uh, Carnivore's Dilemma, yeah, and, and, and uh, what's the other he, one? In, in defense of food, yes, that one. And that his mantra, the culinary one. I have, I didn't yeah, he's got a few, and his mantra is. Eat food, mostly plants, not too not much. Too much yeah. So, I mean, you know, I really love these uh, heuristics that are simple yeah, like that. Yeah, and yeah. He, you know, his thing is like, well, when you go to the grocery store, especially in the wintertime where, you know, there's no, you know, there's no growing season for tomatoes, um, the tomatoes that they do have, they're, they're, they're created for shelf life. They're created to be picked young, 
transported thousands of miles and stay on the shelf for two or three weeks before they go bad. So they're built for shelf life, not taste or nutrition. So they're probably still, I would say they're probably still nutritious, but they might not be the tastiest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then the other thing with that is, is um, this notion of when you look at food, it almost tells you what it's good for. In other words, like when you cut a tomato open, a real tomato, and you look at it, it kind of looks like the chambers of a heart. <laughs> you know, it's got the ventricles yeah. and, and those kinds of things. As And like walnuts, you know, the walnuts are have all these things in it that are great for our... Look like a brain. For our, <laughs> for our brain. And they look like mm-hmm. a brain. And then the other one is... And this may be just totally like reaching and simplification, but um, like when you crack an egg open, it looks like an eye and it has lutein. <laughs> good for your eyes um the other one is is mushrooms you you look at a bundle of mushrooms and i'm stealing this from ben greenfield who was just listening to a podcast that he, he's like a you know a, a biohacker kind of kind of guy so uh but he says you, know, you look at these these mushrooms and they they look they look like a brain and and it so happens that there's got these really intense nootropic uh uh qualities to them that help us think more clear and are that help actually create more elasticity in the hmm. synapses and stuff like that. So so that's really interesting. I, I heard that and I've heard it before, like in biology, form follows function. Yeah. You know, my high school biology teacher used to always say that. Just if you don't know what it is, just look at the form and it might tell you what it does. You know, and that and in foods that that's that might get people like more inspired to pay attention, yeah, and to be more mindful of their choices in there. And and so I don't, you know, I don't know what it says for grapes, let's say, <laughs> or peach. I don't know. Oh, I was but, like mushrooms. <laughs> oh, they're good for your butt. <laughs> yeah, well, pe- that's where I went with the peach. Um, won't, won't go into eggplant or anything. Uh, but yeah, so so you know, there's there's those parts of food nutrition that I think are beautiful that we all need to tap into. Now, the other thing, um, you know, we said is like, well, if you had, even if you had, you lived in a food desert and there's a KFC and a McDonald's uh, close by and that's your choice. And, and what's helping you make that choice? And, and you said earlier when you, we showed people how to make a meal in 30 minutes, for some people, they're like, I've got three minutes. I know. Yeah. I've got three minutes. And w- there's two things I wanted to break down there. Okay, so 30 minutes is not that long. And do you really only have three minutes? What's the trade-off there? Yeah. You know, what's your real trade-off? Is it, you know, your long-term health or you're saving 27 minutes because, you know, you're, you, you really got to be, you got to drop your kid off at somewhere yeah. or pick some up. I mean, so, so, you know, readjusting your, your viewpoint of time and what is a short period of time. And I think planning ahead. If you don't plan ahead, it's going to like every it will take you longer each day because you have to decide what you want. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have it. Then start cooking. Mm -hmm. Whereas if people would think about a a week or even like four days at a time and plan it out, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have to spend so much time. Right. Um, But yeah, I one of my favorite cookbooks has like a one minute mini meal section and a five minute meal section mm. and a 15 minute meal section yeah. and the crock pot section mm-hmm. and like oven exercise eat so you put you prepare the food you put it in the oven you go out go be and exercise for like 30 minutes and you come back and your food's done yeah so to me those are like well, multitasking that's the practical piece yeah they even the one minute mini meals especially if it's like just a couple of one person or two people, or if you're thinking about preparing your lunch, I see a lot of people, they don't plan out lunch. Now, if someone has access to a cafeteria, then good for them. But many of us don't have access to a cafeteria. So if we didn't plan out to bring lunch and then it comes like 12 o'clock and Mm -hmm. you're starving and you're sitting there and you have nothing, you have a couple of choices, like just get another cup of coffee um, and wait it out. Or you had to get in your car and go somewhere. So then you can make a choice like you're probably going to go to a drive through because you want to get it as quickly as possible. You're mm-hmm. starving. You want like the quickest energy possible. You could technically go to a grocery store at that point mm-hmm. and pick up some things. But you have to have that in your mind. Yeah. Or so, you could find yourself at the 
corner story, eating yes. a honey bun, the Mountain honey Dew, bun and, and a Marlboro Light. Exactly. <laughs> Which, honestly, from my office, would probably be, well, you'd have to go by Dunkin' Donuts to get to the corner store. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you could end up at Dunkin' Donuts. Mm. Which, again, though, you can get an egg sandwich at Dunkin' Donuts. You don't yeah. have to get a donut. Yeah. Um. So, but like when I find things, last week I had chicken salad that I bought from Costco already made. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I didn't even have to make the chicken salad. Right. And I had some peppers and I put the chicken salad in the peppers and I was like, whoa, That's this so is good. brilliant. It's yeah. really good. Um, and it was, that would be like a mini meal is mm-hmm. so that, and, and you do, you have to think, well, but how good is that chicken salad? Somebody else made it. What's in it? You can read the ingredient list. You can also say, well, what really are my choices at this point? Mm-hmm. Like chicken salad prepared for you ahead of time at the grocery store, no matter how much you want to question whether it's healthy or not, is still healthier still than a honey bun yeah. and a and, Mountain and, Dew and a or, Light. <laughs> a, yeah, or a, a chicken sandwich and fry, you know, yeah. so... Like sometimes I think that the perfectionist mindset can set in and mm-hmm. I'm like, I think the chicken salad is going to be pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, and so there are I mean, I guess that's the nice thing about our current food environment is that there's a lot of convenience items that have come out recently where foods already prepped for you. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, like with a 30 minute meals. The prep of the cutting the fruits and vegetables takes time. Mm -hmm. You can buy it already cut. Yeah. And that saves you. I went to the grocery store last night because we're going to have chicken fajitas tonight. Crock pot, chicken. Mm -hmm. And then it was supposed to be buy the peppers and the onions and cut them up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I went to the grocery store on a Sunday evening. Mm -hmm. So everything was gone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like they didn't have any peppers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I was at at Trader Joe's at five yesterday. Okay. Well, I was at Harris Teeter and they were out of peppers except for in the organic section where they were like $2.29 for one pepper and I wasn't going there. So, but the frozen section has fajita um, peppers, tricolor peppers and onions uh-huh. already cut and frozen. And I'm like, I'm going to cook it anyway to put it in fajitas. Yeah. So I just bought those. And honestly, it was four packs for $5. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I got two packs of these pre-cut peppers and onions for cheaper than, than that one yeah. <laughs> red pepper. And all I'm going to have to do is stir fry it and the chicken will already be done and wrap it up in a tortilla. Yeah. Um, so... I think for a lot of people, they need to like lower their standards and mm-hmm. just realize if they can get fruits and vegetables and nutritious foods on their plate, that they're doing an awesome job and way better than the typical person. Well, I'm glad you said that lower standards. I mean, we, we always, you know, we always want to raise our standards. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the mindset of the, you know, the highly achieving human is yeah. to, to raise things. And it's like, well, if your expectations is uh, perfection with diet, it's too high because you're never going to reach it unless you are, you know, a billionaire that has a whole chef chef yes. and a team of nutritionists and scientists <laughs> who are looking at your biomarkers and, and and cobbling together the exact nutrition you need based on your schedule coming up for what events you're competing in and yeah. that, that really high performance stuff. I mean, there are people who do that. Right. So it's a thing. But for most of us, um, we do have that trade off with budget time and, and and the level of you know our, our personal tastes I guess yeah. and, and so uh, you know the message there I guess is is you know lower your goals a little bit bring yep. them, bring them down to realistic terms and but also really be mindful of that time I mean you, you got budget you may not be able to budge there at all but you have time that you can look at and there are strategies that you you said you know use the crock pot or buy frozen or prepare in advance i mean there are strategies that you a little bit of time up front is going to save you all that time so when you only have three minutes you Mm -hmm. you pick that thing out of the freezer that you've already prepared that's healthy and you microwave it for two yep and now you've saved a minute yeah so so there are gains to be made there so so yeah i mean out there listening sometimes just evaluate your you know your real be honest in what your real times constraints are what your real budget constraints are and then look at your schedule and find out well hey i just had something canceled and i've got an extra hour so that's the night i'm gonna actually prepare a nice meal and i'm gonna do double it yes so that i have extra (laughs) always make extra and pack that away and now you have lunches and you have leftover meals yes 
Um, unless you're like my kids who won't eat a, the same meal twice in a row. And so. I mean, I kind <laughs> of get that because usually I'll eat lunch, but mm-hmm. I don't want to eat left this eat a meal at night and then eat leftovers for lunch and the same leftovers for dinner. So yeah. then I have to decide: is this going to be lunch leftovers or dinner leftovers? But yeah, typically, like I'll cook. I'll plan to cook on a Monday and a Tuesday Mm. and then we can typically eat off of the rest of it. And by Friday, then we'll figure, you know, something out. And then, then it's a weekend and I have enough time and brain Mm -hmm. power to think ahead again. And and you can even build variety into that plan. I mean, I'm thinking like the crock pot chicken. I mean, just Mm -hmm. little salt, little broth, maybe some celery. And then you, then you take that chicken, portion it out, and then I'm going to make this one Tex-Mex, yes. and I'm going to make this yes. one uh, Oriental. Can, is that still a word I can use? <laughs> oh. <laughs> we had to – okay, it know. was Asian, and now uh, it's like certain recipes get their names changed again. Yeah, okay. So if I just offend anybody, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, that. We, we all learn. I don't know. But, I, you know, variety, being mindful. I mean, we mm-hmm. I went to this culinary program. I mean, it was the beginnings of the Brenner Fit mm-hmm. Culinary Medicine, uh, and we went a group of us went up to uh, the Culinary Institute of America, and they had one called Healthy Kitchens, Healthy Lives. Really great conference. And they were, you know, plant forward was their message. Yeah. Like, we're going to eat plant forward. So when you're planning meals, what are the plants? I mean, the proteins are the easy part because, it, yeah. it's, you know, it's pretty standard stuff. Um, and you can get creative there, too. But, you know, plant forward using grains that you may not have ever tried that are easy, like farro and teft and mm-hmm. all these things that are, you know, will bring great variety and, yeah. and open up your culinary horizons um, with different foods and nutrition. And uh, one of the exercises uh, that, that we had to do, they gave us two grapes. And you may have been through this exercise, but, it, you know, I, I challenged the listeners to do this on their own because it's a really cool thing. So the exercise, and I'll probably spoil it for those who come in and you can do it with raisins too uh-huh. if you you know you don't have grapes in season so you get everyone gets two grapes so you take the one you say eat a grape and then most people will take the grape and pop it in their mouth chew it and swallow yes you know it takes you know a few seconds and then they'll you know then they'll say okay this next grape i want you to look at it feel it you know smell it you know take a small bite out of it you know, how does that feel on the front of your tongue? Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel that, do you if, taste the flavors moving? You know, how does it react when it gets to the back of the mouth? Now take the rest of it and just put it on your tongue and suck on it and mash it around and chew a little bit and chew it up and chew it up until it's nothing but juice and then, you know, slowly swallow mm-hmm. it. And, and then the experience is the same thing. Yeah. But it's just the way you experience. And I think in this rush for time, we forget that food is something to be enjoyed. We, yeah. we, we see it as a chore. And anything, even working out in the gym, if you see it as a chore, you're not going to put all in. You're going to say, i got to get through this workout. If And you're just looking at the time. And I see this. I do group exercise a lot. And, and the, one of the reasons I do it is for accountability, personal accountability, because I, I can't go in there and just lay around. Yeah. You know, um, other people around. There's other people in there. And and it's also a a group um, energy, too, that's like, wow, look at the people in here working really hard. And they're, you know, no one's in here to be comfortable. You know, they're here to push themselves. And once in a while, you'll see someone out of the corner of your eye and they're, you can tell they're going through the motions. They're (laughs) not in it. And that's okay. We all have those times. But, but if we look at, our, our exercise, our, our workout regimen as a chore and something we just got to get through so we can say we did it, it's not helpful. Same no. with food. Yeah. Same with food. If we say, oh, we just got to eat this. I'm hungry. I'm just, let me stuff something in my mouth. I don't care what it is. Just so I'm not hungry anymore. Well, guess what? If, if certain foods are just going to make you even more hungry and more depleted, so you're actually doing yourself a disservice. Some people, I think, they have no idea when, why they eat. Sometimes they eat because they're hungry and sometimes they eat for lots of other reasons. Mm -hmm. And when like that's that's a basis of mindful eating is really tasting everything Mm -hmm. um, and being aware of of what it is you're putting in your mouth and. and Is it good for you? Appreciating it. (laughs) Even even if it's like a brownie, like why you want to race through your brownie? Like you want to taste every bite of that brownie. Mm -hmm. And if people were more mindful with their eating, they would also 
be more informed as to when they've had enough to eat. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the challenge for a lot of people is that they rush through their meals so much that they, yeah. they don't, I mean, their stomach can't even tell their brain they're full until they're past full. Yeah. Um, and so just that practice of mindful eating can really help. Even if it's not that you change what you eat, mm-hmm. but even if like you took that exercise and let's say you had your, your fries and a, chicken sandwich but you tasted every single bite that you ate mm-hmm. i think that it would be more nourishing yeah um and so yeah we want people to experience eating not mm-hmm. eat while they're doing something else right. <laughs> and, and just bide their time and satiety and all those things you know uh one of the things uh you said there was was taking your time to eat and, I, and one of the experiences i've had as when i cut out sugar in my diet for a long time. I mean, like real conscious, not yeah. zero, but yes. but just minimize mm-hmm. it. Um, so as a uh, condiment, not an ingredient, uh-huh. let's say, um, the way it used to be, I guess. Um, but, you know, after about a few months of that, I mean, I, I, tr- I experienced tremendous weight loss and, you know, it, the results really showed up for me and I was real happy with it. And it wasn't, didn't come at much sacrifice. It was right. like, and I just remember like getting a spinach salad and eating a spinach salad with no dressing and thinking, wow, the spinach is sweet. You know, you can taste these things you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. taste when your food is loaded with all these other, other things, things, masking yeah. it, trying to change the flavor. Yeah. And then you also, when you notice that, you know, you savor it more. And like you said, you know, chew up your food, take your time. And you're and that and we'll, I want this is my next question. But the the gut brain connection gets to happen and your brain says, OK, yeah, body, enough. stop, yep. stop shoving stuff in the hole. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you're good. And, and, and so that was my segue into the uh, biome, the gut biome and how and I think research. I mean, I, I, I cursory look at headlines when it comes to this because I'm, I'm, you know, tangentially yeah. interested in it. But, um, you know, what is the latest on the gut? Currently, gut? probably over over hyped. OK, I, th- I think that th- clearly there is like a healthy bacterial balance that you want in your intestines. Mm-hmm. Um how much it's and and the foods you eat will influence what type of bacteria are in there. So so there's certainly well and how they respond too. Because what I've been told is like if if you're high if you heavily have a high sugar intake all the time, you're the bacteria is like craving it. Say yeah, we want some more of that. We want some more of that. And I don't know how much it influences your like <clears throat> decisions on eating. Mm-hmm. I think your taste buds have a lot to do with that and your habits and certainly people can like lose their tastes for their sweet acuity mm-hmm. so then it takes more sweet for them to actually taste the yeah. sweetness you know so like when you cut way back on it at first you're like oh but then your taste buds kind of get used to it and then you if you had something like a soda you'd be like whoa yeah you can't Whereas take before, it yeah. you might have just been like yeah this is good yeah <laughs> um so it does affect that when it comes to your your intestinal balance it's like you have you want the right bacteria in there by eating you know probiotics Mm -hmm. like yogurt and things like that and then to keep the right bacterial balance you need to feed the bacteria so what do you feed it and what we know it needs is basically fiber Mm -hmm. and where do you get fiber fruits and vegetables vegetables, whole grains beans nuts seeds you know so um i think yes there's a connection between gut gut bacterial balance and Mm. your health but then when you look at the big picture like what's the answer Mm -hmm. the answer is the same thing we're already telling people what was the same answer a hundred years ago exactly so that's (laughs) yeah when people say oh the recommendations change i'm like yeah dietitians haven't changed recommendations i will say things like eggs you know and and uh the butter margarine thing mm. sort of has gone through some changes. But aside from that, the the basis, even if you look at like all the USDA, you know, used to be a pyramid, used to be a whatever. Generally, we're still recommending the same types of foods, mm-hmm. like eat your fruits and vegetables. In the balanced plate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but I do, I, I think like the plant forward idea is much better than the current fad of plant based. Mm-hmm. Whereas, all the health organizations, we do recommend a plant-based diet. But what we mean when we say plant-based is very different from what current popular culture says when they mean when they 
yeah. what they mean when they say plant-based. Mm-hmm. So what I, I often have to educate people that as healthcare practitioners, when we say plant-based, we mean plant-forward or mostly plants. Mm-hmm. When like popular media and celebrities say like plant-based, vegan. they often mean vegan. Mm-hmm. And Netflix documentaries are often pushing vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessary to be a vegan in order to have a healthy diet. it's If somebody wants to make that choice, I'm fine with it. But most of us would prefer to include some animal products into our meals. And that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And also Netflix documentaries and Facebook videos are not good places <laughs> to get nutrition advice. Know your sources. <laughs> yeah. Know the agenda. Yeah. Uh, so you said something earlier about working with cancer patients and how great that is. And I got to... I got to believe, and I've heard these stories is like, you know, I've heard people say, and it's, it just seems really weird to hear, but mm-hmm. it was like getting cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, why is that? Cause it's a horrible thing to I happen know. to it you. It is a horrible thing. Some people say that. Some people are like, yeah, I would never say that. Well, I, but I, like, I mean, I get the intent. The yes. intent is to say it was something that helped me reexamine yes, my life. Exactly. So it's kind of like any of us, something happens and it makes you see things differently. Or oh, it's yeah. like a I just paradigm had, shift. I just had a big thing yeah. in my life that did that. So I'm, I'm going through the work, boy. Let me <laughs> yeah. tell you. It's exciting. It's exciting because you see a new you coming at, out at the, right. the other side. And you already feel it as you do it. So Yeah. And if you can – so, yeah, if you can see that as a, okay, it's showing me something new. And, and it's, it's kind of more of that behavioral health aspect of it Mm -hmm. um and certainly some people they have a diagnosis they have a clear treatment plan they're they're like opportunities for a cure are pretty good and they might be able to pretty much go about their life but it is still emotionally very very difficult Mm -hmm. even if you have quote you know like an easier path through treatment it's still like you get to the end and you're like what just happened to me you know well, it's a reminder of your mortality too we, yes. we we in our culture and i've had one of my earlier podcasts was about that why we're so afraid of death mm-hmm. and dying mm-hmm. and why we don't talk about it mm-hmm. and I, I you know i was at a, a funeral or a memorial service on saturday and it was just you know it was a couple who had been together for 60 years i mean that's admirable i've i've been divorced twice so uh-huh. I, I, don't, I don't know if i'll ever say that i mean i won't <laughs> live another 60 years uh-huh. but but uh it was great to see how they really methodically and mindfully planned out the end yes you know and they you know and you know, health problems at the very end as, as a lot of people do but um you know it didn't take a cancer diagnosis to right. find that out so right. that that's the ideal but sometimes for some people they you got to go through some kind of like just boom really really wake up call to say yeah. you know what is important in my life and, and how am i living uh that created this or how am i living you know how how am i living affected others yeah. um you know in so other scenarios yeah but, so i tell i tell my clients like my information is not for you to look backwards and assign, mm-hmm. you know, blame or reasons because we don't know. But my information is to like look forward and to figure out where, what is it that you want to do mm-hmm. kind of going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like when I see people go through all of these different situations, it re- reminds me to think about, okay, like I, I don't need to necessarily live for, 10 20 years from now it's like finding ways to enjoy little things every single day Mm -hmm. and it also does put i think it puts you know nutrition into perspective where it's easier to for me to be able to be like geez lower the standards here like (laughs) like there's no guarantee that me eating you know this amazing uh home prepared grown in my own yard meal Mm -hmm. is going to do something for me 20 years from now when mm-hmm. I, there's no guarantee that I'll even be here 20 years from now. Um, and so finding that like balance of, okay, today it's going to be a peanut butter sandwich. Mm-hmm. And that's great because that means that I have 30 minutes to go for a walk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, again, trade-offs and, and, and just doing what works. I think, um, uh, I had a thought and I totally blanked. So, uh, tell me about your, you know, the, the outreach that you do. Um, also how, 
uh, how to get, you know, where, where to find your podcast, yeah. where, where your, you know, your website, all those things. So let's do some shameless okay. self-promotion. Good. <laughs> so, um, cancer services is a local nonprofit. So we're on Maplewood Avenue and you can come in or call us at 760-9983. We have real people who answer the phones. It's really great. That's 336 area code. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and we welcome, we, we have clients from all around because if they're treated here, they often come from long distances. And then our agency has a podcast called the Triad Cancer Connection. And then I have a website for nutrition and cancer, which is cancerdietitian.com and associated That's social you. media pages. Yes. Okay, so yeah. as part of cancer services. Okay. Okay. It's so great because mm-hmm. the, a lot of people who have blogs sell things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're selling, um, powders anything, and mixes yes, and meal anything that makes them money because their website is their business. <laughs> yeah. So, Way back in 2007, I was like, oh, I'll have my own business. Mm-hmm. And I could find oncology clients who wanted coaching online. And then um, I figured out, number one, I don't really want to do a lot of one-on-ones. I like working in a mm-hmm. in an office setting with a team. It's hard to scale team. that, too. Yeah. Yes. And then number two, if I was going to put ads on my site, I had no control over what they were. Right. And I wasn't okay with that because I have ethics and standards. Yeah, yeah. It could devalue so, your brand. Yeah. yeah. That and like sell people things I don't believe in. Um, so when I came on with Cancer Services, which was pretty soon after that, we rolled. The website is just all part of our educational programs okay which great. is great yeah, yeah um so whenever i i go and talk at different conferences around the country it's just kind of it helps to support our outreach programs at mm-hmm. cancer services so that's cancerdietitian.com i have webinars and um people can email me or whatever with whatever questions mm-hmm. i usually pretty good about getting back <laughs> <laughs> i went through emails this morning i might have been a month behind um but then i have the cancer dietitian podcast so you can find that on most you know, podcast apps where you get your podcast. Yeah. Wherever. Um, and that, or cancer dietitian podcast.com. We mm-hmm. have them all on that website. What else? What, what do you go deep in there? I mean, what? So on the cancer dietitian podcast, I did a five or six part series on the top cancer nutrition myths. So I discuss the myth and sort of break it down as to like, what is that one little ounce of truth that they've then blown out of proportion yeah and what's um, the agenda behind that <laughs> yeah and so that's pretty f- i think it's fun but what it got me to finally was getting to the point where i actually could do a podcast episode on what is it that we actually recommend for cancer survivors to eat mm-hmm. um because i have to get some of that other stuff out of the way and then i kind of have a list of maybe six things that mm-hmm. i want people to work into their eating pattern yeah um so that's in the survivor diet episode Okay. And then we have the colon cancer series. So, mm-hmm. well, great. Well, to. yeah. I mean, I, I, I purposely avoided specific uh, prescription things um, and recommendations because you do that already on your podcast. So, I encourage people to listen to that. Yeah. Um, just a couple of things to wrap up. Um, you know, uh, prevention is the best. Um, do what you can. Um, <laughs> uh you know, early recognition is critical. So mammograms, yes. colon screening, yes. uh, prostate exams, all the things. What what other things are recommended? Yeah. So when we're in the community, we do sort of a little quick screening of anyone that we meet to ask them if they have a doctor, if they have health insurance, and are they current on their screening. So for women, having an annual pelvic exam <clears throat> is really important. Having the pap smear is really important. Cervical cancer is essentially 100% preventable. But you have to get that pap and regularly. Mm-hmm. Mammograms after 40. And you can decide with your doctor whether you want to do that annually, whether you want to do it once every three years. That's all, you know, up to you and your doctor. For um, men and prostate cancer, there's a lot of discussion about whether PSA tests are recommended. Um, so we just encourage people to talk to their doctor. Mm-hmm. If they don't have a doctor, that's when we want to help them figure out what resources are available um, in their community in order to get good advice from a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't have health insurance, we have free clinics and we can also help connect them to the marketplace when open enrollment is around because it's really hard to get good care if you don't have insurance. Yeah. Um, so colon cancer screenings, of course, are really important. So 
Um, you can listen to the podcast episode about genetics and about colonoscopies for specifics. But basically, once you're 50, we want you to get mm-hmm. a colonoscopy. Plug on that. One of the survivor speakers is actually an oncologist who um, he was like, yeah, I waited till I was 52. And when he was 52 and had his first colonoscopy, he was diagnosed with colon cancer. Wow. And he says if he'd had it, if he'd done his colonoscopy at 50, he maybe could have avoided chemo. You know, yeah, he yeah. could have maybe identified a precancerous polyp and had it cut off. Um, so Early really, recognition. <clears throat> yes. Col- colonoscopies are true prevention. Mm-hmm. You know, mammograms are early detection, but they will not prevent cancer. But colonoscopies, if people would get them, mm-hmm. um, can. It's not 100%, but could significantly decrease colon cancer mm-hmm. um, diagnoses. So those are the big ones. Yeah, I, I got I got myself a colonoscopy for my 50th birthday. So, oh, so I took care and of that. I had my mammogram for <laughs> when I turned 40. I posted all over, you know, yeah, social yeah, media yeah. that I had my mammogram. Well, that's another thing. I mean, you know, you say that jokingly, but it is important to to show that we're human and that we're concerned with our own health, but sharing that with others just as a reminder to yes. them, hey, you know, it can't be all bad because yeah. so-and-so did it, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, lead by example. So that, that, that's a very important thing. Well, I, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I appreciate you coming this, this morning and, yeah. uh, this is fun. yeah, it's, it's a good time. So Julie Lanford, Cancer Services, plug the website one more time. Um, the cancerdietitian.com and cancerservicesonline.org. Great. Thank you. Thanks.